Hello and welcome to the Dime Alive podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfleet Middleton. Each week I show you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I interview top thought leaders changing the world with their work. And I also show you how you can build a life in alignment with your soul, do your dharma, be happier, healthier, live longer and have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace. So without further ado, let's dive into the next podcast. So hello and welcome to the Dharma Life Podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfbeat Middleton, and this week I want to invite you to my Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. I'm going to be running a four-day challenge in my Facebook group. The link is in the section under the YouTube video. Please come and join us. Now is an incredible time on the planet to be building a 5D life in alignment with your soul. And it's much easier to do that with like-minded, conscious community around you. So please come and join the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. You won't regret it. It's a high vibrational community of people changing the world, doing their dharma, making a difference and living in this new 5D energy. You will be absolutely blown away with the life that you can create. If you can believe it, you can create it. Believing is seeing. So hello and welcome to the Dharma Live podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfleet Middleton. And today I bring you an incredible woman who shared her story relatively recently for the first time. And I happened to catch that Instagram live. And it was like there was a real synchronicity, a real kind of destined connection there because I knew wholeheartedly in my body that I needed to get Serena Kelly on the show. She was sharing her story about... Uh, coming through living in the notorious cult, the um, the children of God. And I have been wanting to interview somebody around the sex trafficking, human trafficking subject because it's really important and dear to my heart that we are sharing and raising awareness. So I knew that we needed to get Serena on the show. So Serena, welcome to the Dharma Life podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, no, not the honor is all mine. And I already said, like, the wonderful world of Instagram, we get to meet incredible people like yourself, and then we get to become friends. And, you know, yes. this is how we're changing the world. So yes. wonderful. But um, now, obviously, you've had this incredible past, but you're also doing incredible things now. You know, you're a trauma recovery and brain health coach. So do you just mind sharing a little bit about what you're doing in the world at the moment? Absolutely. Um, I started trauma recovery coaching um, last year. I got certified by the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaches. And I'm helping specifically cult survivors, child abuse survivors, and child trafficking survivors. And um, I did a brain health certification from Amen Clinics because I realized that a lot of our components in the brain switch. When you go through major trauma, you have an enlarged mm -hmm. amygdala, your hippocampus and stored memories. So I thought that was a wonderful way to incorporate trauma as well as your brain health. And because I suffered from a lot of mental disorders, as they say, anxiety, depression, 
stress, but all of this is stemming from trauma. So my goal is to help others who had a similar past to mine, not only be able to understand or come to terms, but to actually thrive and to actually under and be able to do something with their life and live a life that they love and realize that they're not broken. They never needed fixing um, their life. It, horrible things happen, but you can find good and you can find your purpose through all of it. And that's what I've been doing um, for the last year. It's been uh, wonderful work and I'm so happy to be able to have my own business and do something that I love and be able to travel and do things as well at the same time. Yeah, well, I would really like to acknowledge you, Serena, because you're so doing your dharma. You know, you've gone through incredible amounts of trauma and you're transmuting that and you've transmuted it and you're now using that experience to really help other people. And that obviously this is the Dharma Life podcast, you know, and <laughs> for anybody listening, if you're listening to this, you know, it is amazing what we can come through as human beings. And I also think, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's almost like our generation is the trauma pattern breakers. I feel like yes. a lot of us have signed <laughs> yes. up to do this you know <laughs> yeah absolutely that I think um you know I I have old, an older sister and I've I've seen the pain that she goes through and I I just my heart goes out to those type of people and I really love to be able to dive deep and go through some really dark shit and kind of replay stuff in my mind to be able, you know, the fastest way out is through, mm -hmm. you got to go through it, but then you break those generational cycles and you end up switching and you can, you can change your brain chemistry as well. So that's what I've been doing with my life for several years for myself personally, and now for others in the past year. Wonderful. And do you mind um, explaining a little bit more to our audience who maybe haven't come across the cult? Because um, obviously it's, it is a notorious sex cult. Um, but if somebody hasn't heard of it, do you mind us kind of giving a description so people understand and it, telling us a little bit about, you know, your background, your story? Yeah, absolutely. I was born in the cult called the Children of God. It's also currently known as the family. They've changed their names over the past few years and they are one of the most infamous cults known for child abuse, religious prostitution, forced child marriages, family separation, and what I hope to get out into the world is also known for child trafficking. Um, I was born in David Berg, the cult founder's commune. I was raised as a celebrity child, as it were. Um, there were a lot of cult... Um, there were cult publications. Um, you know, when you're in a cult, you're not, you're not uh, reading or you're not privy to anything going on in the outside world. It's just your cult bubble. So there were stories written about my life, written about my birth. David Berg named me Serena. He also named me Mary Dear, which was my cult name in all the cult publications. And my mother, along with David Berg and Karen Zerby, who is still the current leader of the cult, um, wrote manuals on how to raise children based on me and my older sister's life and Berg's children, Ricky Rodriguez, um, as well. And he has another daughter named Tetchy. And us four kind of grew up as the elite children in the cult. Children in the cult grew up reading stories about me every day. So when I went out into the world, um, in the world as in the cult world, people knew me. I was treated like a celebrity. Um, people would come up with their cult publications and as a child and ask me to sign their cult publications. Um, they would, they would treat me as like everyone, this is, this is how she was raised by Berg. 
So this is the example of how a child should be. It was very, very bizarre for a child mm, to go through that. I'm struggling to get my head around it. Like, what, what, why, why did they do that? Like, what's the purpose of this? Um, I believe it was for brainwashing and controlling children. This is how you should raise your child. And um, in human trafficking and child abuse, one of the, the uh, greatest ways to break a child is through abuse, um, whether that's physical or sexual. Once you break a child, you have full control over them. So um, my mother, Sarah Kelly, was known as a prolific uh, cult leader and child abuser. She wrote publications about Berg's own son, Ricky Rodriguez, and she was sexually abusing him in these publications, my own mother. And they explained to the cult that this is how children should, should be raised. The idea that Berg had in his twisted mind was that when a, a child was seven, eight, nine to 12, they were able to experience sexual pleasure. And he encouraged that in the cult. Um, when I was three, after my third birthday, my mother took me to Berg, sat me on his lap and Berg presented me with a ring and said that I was going to be his, I was going to be his child bride. He, uh, he purposely made the ring too big to fit on my finger because he, and he told me that it was meant for me to wear for the rest of my life um, as I was promised to him. And my own mother did that and she brought me to Berg and that happened. Um, later on in the cult, when I went to other homes, I was always shifted around under the cover of darkness and night. These cult communes, the very, very large ones, were never in the U.S. They were always in third world countries and countries where they could be easily hidden. But authorities were always getting wind of these massive communes, sometimes with 200, 300 people and all these foreign children in there. And there were reports of child abuse going on. But because I was considered one of the elite children. They would grab me from wherever I was, pack me in the car, and we'd escape in the middle of the night and go to some other hiding place. And this happened all the time, um, traveling under darkness uh, covertly and illegally, sometimes with my parents, sometimes without my parents. You know, there were, we had power of attorneys um, with us all the time so we could sign rights. The adults could sign rights away to other children. And children were shuffled around like this all the time. Um, I suffered abuse on every single scale, um, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, every single day. And this ranged from begging on the street to being brainwashed, having to read cult propaganda two to three hours a day, um, forced labor, building things in the home to being all trafficked as a child. Um, the cult was known as a missionary group, a religious missionary group, and people who unfortunately didn't know any better would support these massive communes with money and food. And in return, they would take children like me and they would sit us on these supporters' laps, allow us to be groped, to be fondled in exchange for money. This happened to me up until I was a teenager when I finally left at 18 years old. Um, just the constant exchange of money for your child, money for your mm. child. And we grew up, you know, learning. I grew up learning that my body was just a tool to be used for exchange for money. And I could only live my life based on my looks and my body. So when I left the cult at 18, 
I actually uh, began a huge life of hard partying drugs because I just, there was so much I had suppressed. Mm, Yeah, absolutely in my life. And I just didn't want to come to terms with it because it was so normalized for me, this life. That's what I was going to say, because that is your reality as a child growing up. That's the way that you think the world exists. And actually, you don't know anything different, you know, like. No, I had no idea. And we were taught, in fact, that the outside world was bad, like going to school was bad. We should be afraid of um, other people and and. authorities especially because there were some raids in some of these cult communes and they made us so deathly afraid like they were they're going to take you away and put you in jail and you're never going to see your parents again so it was instilled in us from a very early age that everyone else was bad we were the good guys we were going to heaven everyone else was going to hell Um, And they really, really made us believe that this was the right life. So when you do decide to leave, it's a huge struggle between leaving your family, leaving everyone behind and and going out on your own. Yes. And what made you you do that? Like, was there something, a sort of higher voice saying like... Um, What made me leave the cult? Mm. Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, because my mom was such a uh, huge leader of the cult, I, I was able to have a very different view than under children. I was able to see the cult leaders' homes and I was able to see everything else. And I, I knew something was wrong, like this wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew from about 12, 13, and I know exactly the time where I decided I don't want this life. I was about 12 years old. My mother was telling us the story of Abraham and Isaac putting Isaac on the altar and sacrificing him for God. And I straight up asked my mother, I said, if Jesus asked you to do this, would you, would you sacrifice one of us? Would you kill us? And she said, she said, yes, if that was the Lord's will, I would do it. And something switched in me that day. You know, you, I didn't have a bond with my mother. Parents were not raising their own children in the cult, but something clicked in me that day. And I said, this, I don't want this. So as an early teenager, I began making plans to escape the cult. Um, when we were begging on the street, uh, I would take money out to try to save for a bus fare to get to the U.S. And then finally at 18, I was able to take a bus from Mexico to Houston and uh, start living my own life there. Wow. So you literally ran away. You kind of one day took your chance and, and left when... I, yeah, I was, they, they knew I was leaving. The, the commune knew I was leaving. I wasn't running, but everyone was very upset. I was not supported at all. Um, I was not allowed to speak to a lot of friends and sisters. Um, my older sister who had left years before, uh, we, we didn't have any com- uh, contact with each other because she was considered, they would call her a, this is cult term, backslider meaning they're sliding down and you're going, you're turning your back and you're basically being a traitor to your people. Um, so I went down a similar path, but I knew I couldn't keep living this life. I couldn't, I couldn't keep uh, supporting. I didn't believe in it at all. Mm. So, um, I left, I was partying a lot. And then, um, Shortly after I left the cult, Ricky Rodriguez, who I had grown up with in Berg's house, Berg's adopted son, he committed a murder-suicide because he was severely, severely sexually abused as a child. And he killed Angela Smith, one of his nannies. And turns out that his other nanny was my mother, Sarah Kelly. 
So this put our family in the news. We were on everything from pictures of us, um, pictures of my mother. Um, my sister spoke out. We were on Larry King Live, CNN, MSNBC, everything. Wow. And that, yeah, Completely blew it, up. Was, it was uh, crazy. We blew up. And here I am trying to live a normal life. Probably hide, I would imagine, as well. I went into full hiding, Mm. full hiding mode. Um, I didn't want to speak about it. I was trying to, you know, just forget about everything in my past. But it was just, I lived in total fear, total fear of finding out about my life, um, what questions would be asked, how I would answer them. And I did this for decades decades. Um, I, I ended up getting my degree at the University of Texas at Austin. I had a very, very successful corporate career in IT in Austin. I was making wow. six figures salary. And I realized one day that I was just going through the motions, just dead inside, dead. And I had so many inexplicable health issues. I suffered mm-hmm. from depression uh, my hair was falling out. I went into premenopause because my body was just in so much trying to hold down all the trauma. trauma. Yes, mm. internalizing everything. So I finally uh, decided, like, I needed to talk to somebody about this. I I went to a few therapists, and then I hired my own life coach because I I saw some people um, who had grown up uh, with me, and they were living fantastic lives, and I wanted to be that free. And I wanted to be able to speak about my life without bursting into tears every time someone mentioned my family. So it's been a long road of recovery since, but um, finally in the last year, I've, I've been able to speak out about my story for the very first time and hopefully encourage others and to shed light on a huge issue of child mm. trafficking, um, which is never talked about, especially in cults. But the more I researched it and the more I went into child trafficking and what's going on in the world today, the more I realized, oh my God, I was yeah, trafficked as a child. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you... the definition of child trafficking. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, just before we go into, because obviously I really want to go into what's happening on the planet right now. But I suppose I just wanted to ask, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're they're maybe not as far along on their abuse recovery journey as you. What words of wisdom do you have for somebody who essentially is in a similar position to yourself? Maybe they've been sexually abused as a child and they haven't necessarily come to terms with it. Like, could you offer some, uh, some wisdom, some, some guidance for anyone listening who might be going through this at the moment? Yeah, the most important thing is... First, you have to acknowledge that these things happened. You have to get very real with yourself. Like I denied myself for years that I was severely abused because so-and-so had it worse than me. So-and-so's story was worse than me. But to notice that your story matters, Mm. horrible, and you need to grieve it. That was the very first step. You need to go through a grieving process about whatever you lost in your life. I had to grieve my lost childhood that I'd ever had. Um, I had to grieve the, uh, the loss of a parent. I never had a stable parent and grieve all of the things that had happened to me as a child that I had put off as, it's not that bad. Somebody else has had it worse, you know? So those, the, the very first step is acknowledging that it happened and then grieving it. And once you grieve it, then you're ready 
on to the next step for healing. And just sort of building on that, you know, so somebody listening who's, you know, trying to find the courage to start to confront this issue, you know, what's on the other side of that healing journey? The other side can be anything from being able to speak up for yourself, giving yourself a voice. We never had a voice. Like I never made a decision for myself in my life as a child. I was always told what to do. Being able to speak up for yourself, being able to say no to people. Um, when, whether it's, I don't want to go, I don't want to go have dinner. Um, or it's something is, I don't want to move to this, to this city for this job, anything, being able to say no and being able to take risks and chances without fear of failure and fear of judgment, because a lot of, um, abuse that you get a lot of shame from that. And you feel like you're a bad person and that you don't deserve anything in life and that anything that you try or anything you do will be met with failure because when it's ingrained in you that you only have this one path in life, it's so hard to turn that around. But being able to say no, establish boundaries, take risks and not be afraid of failing and not be afraid of uh, judgment, which is huge because as we know, survivors speaking out, you get a lot of judgment. Mm, absolutely. Well, I, I'm hoping that um, we're in a new kind of era with all of this and that actually, you know, hopefully like you've experienced, there's a lot of support, you know, humanity, our sh- collective shadow is is really coming up right now. And, you know, that's, again, one of the reasons for really wanting to talk to you was to really shine a light on this issue so people can start to recognize the signs, the signals and understand, you know, what is happening on our planet right now. Um but one more question I just wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned about feeling again, you know. So um, when we're kind of having a lot of trauma, we're carrying a lot of trauma, we, it really shut ourselves down. So would you start to say that you're kind of experiencing life differently now you're, now you're, you're kind of coming through your healing journey? Absolutely. Um, Once you kind of come through your healing journey on the other side, you realize how much you've gone through life just numbed and kind of half feeling. Um, The inability to experience pleasure is a huge thing. You know, just anything from I'm in a cabin in the woods going for a walk outside and actually Mm. listening to the birds and smelling the flowers like your senses are dull when you've gone through trauma. You don't know how to experience life. So anything from that eating delicious food, any type of small little thing, when you come out on the other side, being able to have really, really deep talks with someone and really connecting with someone on a deeper level, because when you're hiding a bunch of things, that's not your true self. You know, you're just living sort of a half life. So when you're actually able to talk to people and people want to speak to you about really deep, sometimes um, hard conversations, you're able to speak with them and you're able to have those conversations and be, and uh, just have, um, be a light in the world and be able to fully embrace everything that's going on around you, whatever it is at that time. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anyone listening, you know, a lot of us have trauma of some degree and some shape or form, you know, and I know myself, Serena, that I just 
I wasn't connecting with life. You know, it could have, you know, I was kind of walking around in this miserable kind of shell around me. And, you know, I would encourage anyone listening, if you're in that position where you're not quite sure if you want to confront it, it's so worth it because you really get to open up and experience life and enjoy it, you know, and that's obviously why we came. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's come on to the... Yeah, the, absolutely. <laughs> let's come on to sort of what is happening on our planet right now. So obviously, you know, we are going through an ascension process. We are raising the consciousness of the planet and our collective shadow is coming up. And, you know, the, the major thing that we are seeing is obviously how prolific human trafficking and child sex abuse is. Um, so you said you've done a lot of investigation into this. Do you mind just kind of giving our listeners an overview of what you found? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for a couple, a couple statistics, which just blew my mind is that, um, 1.2 million people are trafficked every year. Now that's a hard number. So I, so the 1.2 million is equivalent to the entire population of Dallas, Texas. That's a massive city. It's one of the top 10 largest populated cities in the U.S. And every year. Now, what's crazy about 2020 is that that percentage has increased by 90%. And we are only in August. I know. So that means 2.4 million people have already been trafficked just in the first eight months of this year. And that's the equivalent to the size of Houston, Texas, which is one of the top five most populated cities in the U.S. I mean, huge. That is an astronomical amount of people to um, be trafficked. And currently, UNICEF estimates that 25 million people are trafficked right now all over the world, which is equivalent to the population of the entire continent of Australia. That's massive. That's wild. Massive. And that's kind of going under the radar. You know, it's just... Yes, Incredible. And now, um, out, so, and then I started looking up child abuse specifically mm-hmm. statistics. So they estimate this is, this is us information, but this is a huge place. So I'll still share this with you. 700,000 children are abused every year in the U S out of that 65% sexual abuse. And out of that 65%, 92% of that is sexual abuse by someone a child knows, 92%. So we're not talking about children being kidnapped off the street, you know, forced. Mm. The, these things happen. And in that's a family cool. home. But this is, this is in a family home. This is grooming. This is grooming children like I was to service adults and to service other people. This is far more covert and far more insidious than what people think is going on. One in 10 boys are abused. And out of that, 90% is by someone they know. Wow. It's just absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing. Which Really mind-blowing. Incredible. Yeah. And how can our listeners... And, you know... Sorry, how can our listeners, um, you know, because like... (laughs) 
I'll be, you know, I'm very feel blessed that I have never experienced abuse, you know, um, um, and I think hopefully most people listening haven't, and it's mind blowing to us because it would never even enter our sphere of possibility that that would be something that would occur in our families, but it does. And so, I suppose for people listening, like, what are the sort of signs, signals? What is it? Because we need to shine a light on this so we can clear it, so we can stop it and end it forever. You know, if you're if somebody's listening to this, how can they raise awareness? How can they spot signs and signals? You know, how can they make a difference? Absolutely. Signs and signals is a huge thing. Um, you know, when, a, when an adult is a child, um, when you're answering for a child, when somebody asks a child a question and the adult is like, oh, but da, 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 this happened all the time. When you, when you take a child's voice, huge red flag that something is going on that you need to look into. Um, if you notice a specific family member or a friend of the family constantly coming over, constantly um, playing with children, um, grabbing a child's hand just, just a bit too tightly, you know, there's very, very covert ways that, that child abuse. Um, and unfortunately, when you're out, you know, it's when you see a parent like holding on to a child speaking for them. Children, when they're abused, they do not look at you directly. They will look down to the side. Mm -hmm. They will not speak. They will mumble that because they've been broken, they've been controlled. So these are all, those are some, those are three really, really mm -hmm. easy signs um, in your family and in, even in strangers going on, like what, if, what you see around you in your in neighborhood, if you've and, been, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really valid point because I think as a human being, you might recognize or see something and your intuition might say, oh, that doesn't feel right. But we have a tendency to go, oh, OK, I don't want to interfere or, you know, that's not my business. Absolutely. And actually, and actually, if, if your intuition, your inner voice is screaming at you, then if we recognize the signs and signals, we can pick up the phone and we can tell somebody um, and we can report these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just be on the lookout. Um, and then of course, uh, you want, if you want to look into your own neighborhood, like what organization is actually doing something about it? What are they doing for child trafficking? Um, and see also a real key thing is to check the organization's sponsors. Who are the sponsors? Who's funding them? Um, what are they doing? What are absolutely. their statistics? How Very have they point. helped in your community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had to do a lot of research. And <laughs> well, let's elaborate on that because obviously, you know, I'm, what you're implying, what I'm picking up is obviously a lot of organizations that say they're, help, they're there to help and serve children. You know, we've just had this hashtag save the children, you know, and then we discover that they're, they're mm -hmm. uh, sponsored and they're financed by the, the, you know, the likes of Gates or people who are using that as a cover actually to do more harm. So I think, can you just speak to that for our listeners? Because I think everything is not what it seems in our world, unfortunately. That's so true. Um, yeah, it's really important because you look at a lot of organizations or you go to their website and you're like, cool, okay. And it's easy, you know, donate um, or go volunteer. But when you start looking into 
who is funding them, you know, what corporations are funding them and what do those corporations stand for? That is the key. What is the history of those corporations? What are they getting out of it? Um, what is their history uh, with child trafficking and child abuse? What is their stance on it? You know, what have they been doing? Or if, for example, you know, if, if Facebook is funding an organization, you know, this, the Save the Children hashtag was taken. So mm. you might want to question, like, what are the motives behind a lot of great organizations? Um, in fact, one of the cult survivors that I know of um, has created her own organization. Mm. Many of us have banded together and created our own organizations where we know yes, <laughs> we'll be know doing exactly something and we'll be helping. Yeah. So I would, I would focus not so much on a, a global organization and focus more on your local organizations. Those are the ones more so than like a worldwide organization or a national organization. I think that is really important. And then you're giving community and you're helping out directly yeah. as well. Yeah. And I think it's also having that conscious awareness, you know, you're awake, never assume, <laughs> you know, never assume that what you think yes. you are, you know, what you think is, is there just check, you know, and absolutely take the time to research and check yes. they are who they say they are. Yes, exactly. And what have they done? What are they actually doing? And what are, what are they continuing to do? Yeah. Huge points. Oh, well, Zarina, thank you so much. You know, I know that this is, you know, you're early on your, your journey in speaking out. And I want to acknowledge, commend and just say, please keep speaking up because, you know, the world needs you. And um, I was really pleased you could come on the podcast so we could get the message out to as many people as we possibly can. Um, how can people find you? Maybe someone's been listening to this and they want to work with you. Yeah, you can find me, Serena Kelly, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, on serenakelly.com. Um, I also have a gift for your listeners. I have a workshop called The Weight of Worry, which is a workshop I created. It's a five-day workshop on how to eliminate worry. Um, I have a coupon for your listeners. If they want to go to serenakelly.com, mm -hmm. and the coupon is DHARMA, all capital. <laughs> and they will get that for free. They will get wow. my workshop for free for your listeners. That's just, it was one of the first workshops I created that helped me and how to diagnose worry in every aspect of your life, career, love, finances, food. So um, if serenakelly.com, you can go to my products, put in the Dharma coupon, you will get that uh, 100% free. Wonderful. And we'll put, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes and we'll put your link and the coupon code and everything. And just speak to that a little bit more so people understand it's, it's essentially for anyone who maybe suffers with anxiety or worries kind of a bit too much. Yes. Yes. It's to help diagnose and understand where that worry is coming from. So I go through um, various uh, aspects in your life, career, finances, love, food, exercise, a lot of areas where we're always worrying and punishing ourselves and constantly thinking like we're not good enough. So this is something I created for my, to heal myself, um, which worked and read up on a different topic and you focus on those areas in your life on how you can eliminate worry. And uh, at the end you go through, it's a five day process and you have tools that you can take with you for the rest of your life. So when these things come up again, you can just refer back to that workshop and go through the steps and the tools that I share in there. 
Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. And if you're listening to this, please do share this episode. Please go follow Serena on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Sir Kelly, or you can search Serena Kelly. Serena Kelly. Yeah, go follow Serena uh, on Instagram. Please tag both of us when you listen to this episode. Please share the episode. Like we're really keen to shine a light on this issue as much as we possibly can. You know, as for humanity to move up, for us to go into our rightful ascension process, we really need to integrate and to transmute all of this horrendous stuff that has been happening on the planet. And the only way that we can do that is by shining a light on it so it stops. So, Serena, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. So happy to be here. And we will see you next week with another incredible guest on the Dharma Life podcast. This week, I want to invite you to my Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. I'm going to be running a four-day challenge in my Facebook group. The link is in the section under the YouTube video. Please come and join us. Now is an incredible time on the planet to be building a 5D life in alignment with your soul. And it's much easier to do that with like-minded, conscious community around you. So please come and join the Follow Your Highest Excitement Challenge. You won't regret it. It's a high vibrational community of people changing the world, doing their dharma, making a difference and living in this new 5D energy. You will be absolutely blown away with the life that you can create. If you can believe it, you can create it. Believing is seeing. Thank you so much for listening to the Dharma Life podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. Please come over and say hello on my Instagram, our Facebook group. And also, please let me know what you thought. So if you are listening, please take a screenshot of the podcast that you are listening to. Tag me on Instagram and I will reshare your post. And please let me know what it is that you got out of today's episode. Remember, when we do our Dharma, we are happier, healthier, we live longer, and we have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace. Mm-hmm.